everyone and welcome to Globalize Asia. Support for this podcast comes from Royal Beans Chocolates. Royal Beans is based out of Bangalore, India and specializes in Belgian chocolates infused with exciting flavors like masala chai, cappuccino, berry blast, walnut marble and many more. You can gift these special crafted chocolates to your loved ones in India by visiting their website www.royalbeans.in. Use the promotional code GLA10 to get 10% discount off your order. Thank you. Hi everyone and welcome to Globalization. Second episode of the Shiros of India series will highlight the introduction of Parda and Sati in the 13th century India. This period also introduces Islam to the region and highlights some of the brave women warriors of its time. So on that note, I pass you on to Watsalam Malik and Ina Chabra for today's podcast. So looking back, women in India clearly played a significant role even during the Muslim reign around the 13th century in India. They rose to be rulers, warriors, poets, saints during the medieval period and women who dared to rise above the norms of society clearly did make a big difference. Wielding the sword, fighting battles, administrating territories, indulging in creative talents of poetry writing, music and showing the path of devotion and love was clearly a thing. Yeah, and you know what? During this period, the system of parda or veiling the faces of women started. Sati was practiced and widow remarriage was forbidden. Islamic society was polygamous. The ladies of the Mughal palace were also very proficient in both horsemanship and social etiquette and were often astute politicians and artists. Uh, Vatsala, you mentioned that they also showed the path of devotion and love and who comes to my mind is... Mirabai. Yes, the rebellious feminist icon. Mm. A woman who chose to dare to go the different path, you know. And she promoted bhakti, the love and devotion to God, true selfless love. And her God was? Krishna. Yes, Krishna, the heroine of the bhakti movement, simple offering her love, composed bhajans, which was, it is said to be around 5,000 in number. And she passed, and it, in those days it was passed down through oral tradition. Uh, women... Uh, and it is said that women in those days did not learn Sanskrit nor speak in Sanskrit. But she chose to be different. She dared to be different. And she, she did not believe in caste system. It is said her disciples or the people she used to sing along were belonging to all castes, even the low castes. She was with the leather workers, weavers, potters. So she pushed aside all social boundaries. That is quite surprising considering that she was... The only daughter of um, a Rajput warrior, Ratna Singh. Yes. Who belonged to the house of Rathor. Yes. And she was born in 1498 near Rajmer. She did get married in 1516 to Bhula Yes. the heir apparent to Rana Sangha of Mewar. But fine clothes, precious jewels and all the comforts that come along with being associated with the palace meant absolutely nothing to her. In fact, it was quite the contrary. Yeah, because her thoughts were only for Lord Krishna, the incarnation of Vishnu. She composed just songs in his honor and spite and spent time after time just singing them. 
she speaks of herself as a virgin mm. she interacted with holy men and engaged in religious discourses she as a bhakti saint preached love of humanity and equality to all she did sound a little bit disillusioned don't you think yes. but i think on the contrary she was quite focused on whatever she did but, but she but she was a rebel of her times right yeah the members of the royal household could not tolerate her devotion and blind love for krishna the disciple to discipline her they locked her up and even tried to poison her yes. she got transported to the heights of ecstasy and bliss by singing and dancing and few of the verses she composed of course everybody knows about this mere to girdhar gopal dusra na koi my beloved dwells in my heart i have actually seen that abode of joy mira's lord is hari the indestructible my lord i have taken refuge with thee thy slave mm. isn't it a fascinating story of her life but not much is talked about her her bhajans are so beautiful like i said gandhi was an ardent admirer Mm-hmm. and he loved listening to the bhajans of meera yeah have you ever tuned attuned into the bhajans of meera yeah yeah absolutely it's it's uh, a lot of my family members love meera bai and her devotion for lord krishna and equally whoever follow krishna she's kind of associated it's a name you can't dissociate with lord krishna absolutely uh what's la now for meera bai bhakti saint we are moving to a real sultan or sultana as she refused to be called she wanted to be called as sultan the first muslim women to rule on her own merit in india Is that a land yes a landmark achievement she was the most popular with the people but the nobles could not stop opposing her she was a monarch she was wise just and generous a benefactor to her kingdom a dispenser of justice the protector of her subjects and the leader of her armies sounds like a total movie character <laughs> she was a in- movie was made you know with the hema malini as razia it was made by kamala murawi yeah. it was a fabulous and lovely songs in it dharmendra play- played the role of yakut you must catch it again She was endowed with all the qualities befitting a king but she was not born of the right sex and so in the estimation of men all these virtues were probably worthless may god have mercy on her yeah these were the words of minhaj siraj a scholar who acknowledged razia's abilities as a ruler but said because her gender she has to fall prey to the end that she had the country under razia prospered her power was acknowledged even till bengal a woman coming to the throne was against the custom it could not be tolerated she faced hardships difficulties being a woman and she also started favoring non turkish nobles who uh, she started to favor uh, nobles and then many plotted against her and got her murdered in 1240 it is the most interesting chapter in the history of india and the rule of mamluk sultans a woman sultan was unheard of and when the nobility failed to control her they were instantly up in arms against her rule the battling rebellious nobles and court conspiracies she did with great courage razia called herself as i mentioned earlier sultan instead of sultana iltutmish hmm. appointed razia sultan over his incompetent sons she was the oldest child and the daughter by his very first queen only muslim woman to rule on her own merit in india It's also most interesting chapters in history of India is the rule of the Mamluk sultans. 
Her initial coins even bear her name along with that of Iltutmish, 1237 to 38, so 13th yes. century. But after this date, she boldly dispensed with her father's name. Yeah, and it seems to have been free of contemporary racial prejudices as she distrusted her Turkish nobility and raised respected non-Turks to high office. She appointed an Afghan as governor and she raised the rank of Jamal Uddin Yakut, an Abyssinian slave, to that of chief, Amir and advisor. Razia dispensed with the veil. What's like, can you imagine, a woman ruler, Muslim ruler ruling the monarch, she doesn't wear a veil and she appeared in public in male attire but with a head turban. She rode upon elephants, exhibited qualities of a military reader, but... Razia's closeness to Yakut aroused jealousy amongst Turkish Amirs and Maliks. It was provoked, it, it did provoke Muslim sensitivities and eventually her downfall is attributed by the historians to her gender rather than to structural weaknesses in the Delhi Sultanate. Powerful Western interests of nobles and some ulema threatened Razia's legitimate claim to the throne. While fighting a battle in Punjab, she was isolated by her conspirators and her Abyssinian friend was killed by Altunia. You know, Altunia was re- uh, ruling over the region which is called Bathinda now in Punjab mm-hmm. and he was the rebelling chief. So he rose in revolt. Razia had gone to fight the battle. He takes Razia the prisoner and he kind of gets too infatuated by Razia and wants to propose to her. Mm-hmm. She, out of just sheer political need or shrewdness, accepts the proposal and agrees to marry Altunia. So he releases her and both of them decide to march to Delhi to marry. But their allies deserted them and they are killed by Hindu highway robbers. <laughs> what an end. So Razia Sultan made a short but courageous attempt to establish women's right to be a sovereign on their own merit. The romantic tragedy is something unique in the history of India. Historian Sami made an unfavorable comment that a woman's place was at her spinning wheel and that high office would derange her. Razia should have made cotton her companion and grief her wine cup. Despite being the first woman ruler of Delhi, Razia Sultan lies forgotten <laughs> in her tomb at Bubli Khan near Turkuman Gate in Old Delhi. Gosh. So this is the tale of the woman who actually was... You can say an icon again, a woman ruler, the first Muslim woman ruler to ever rule. Yeah, and yet we have movies made on Alauddin Khilji, <laughs> on um, the Maratha Empire, obviously glorifying the male rule, and we don't have in my no. But I believe history. there's a TV serial that's happening on Razia Sultan, and but no, what's sad is that her tomb at Bubli Khana. Mm-hmm. Near, in which is in Old Delhi near Turkuman Gate, it's lying in a absolutely, you know, uh, a state uh, where not much attention is being paid. Mm-hmm. Hardly any visitors come to the shrine. Probably people who are doing some research in history or writing about her go to the gravesite, but otherwise there are no not much of tourist attraction there. It should be highlighted, you know. Mm-hmm. She was the first Muslim woman ruler of Delhi, so I think it should be highlighted her role and her place of rest. Absolutely. Well, now, Vatslav, uh, we are moving further down to Nur Jahan, the Mughal period. We started from the 13th century, now we're closing, coming down to the 16th, 16th and 17th yes. century. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
because in that whole span from the 13th to this period of 15th, 16th century when the Mughals came, uh, I could not find much references of women mm. as powerful leaders or, you know, rebels or rulers. Or probably more documented references. Yeah, you're right, you're right. You put it in the right manner. So let's discuss about Noor Jahan, who has been a quite a fascinating character Romanticized to quite an extent. So Mehrunissa was the daughter of Itimad Uddawla, a Persian official working for the very great Akbar. Yes. She was the widow of a nobleman named Sher Afghan who was killed in a battle. She was the lady-in-waiting then of Akbar's widow Rukaiya Begum in the royal harem. Jahangir fell in love with her and married her in 1611 when she was still in her 30s. After her marriage, she was given the title of Noor Mehel, also known as Light of the Palace, and later Noor Jahan, Light of the World. Yeah, and you know, this is a beautiful miniature painting mm-hmm. because Jahangir, the ruler, it was said, encouraged painters to do miniature painting during his time. He patronized this art. He was fond of painting immensely. Mm-hmm. And this painting shows her wielding a long musket with her hair discreetly under a cap wearing a long shift and loose pants, something like salwar kameez that we have in today's time. And Noor Jahan was a keen naturalist. Mm-hmm. And she went hunting, shooting tigers from the harbour of an elephant. It is said she owned ships that traded with Arabia. There are references in the records that the queen was fond of writing poetry and she designed fabrics and carpets. She was the dress designer of today's time, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. She would have mm-hmm. given um, all the designers a run for money if she was there today. And on her insistence, the traders, it is said, were ordered to import English embroidered cloth and Indian textiles and export jewellery to England. Wow. And ironically, Noor Jahan became the de facto ruler after Jahangir lost his interest in governance, believe it or not, due to opium addiction. She is the only Mughal queen who is referred to as an empress, who signed royal orders and had coins issued in her name. Noor Jahan approved all the royal orders and even even though she was in the parda, she met officials while sitting behind a screen. She favoured women property holders and gave generous gifts to orphans upon their marriage. Help was also given to the destitute. Uh, You know, her father, Itmadu Dola, he became the king's closest advisor, minister, and her brother, Asaf Khan, was one of the trusted generals of Jahangir. But it is said Noor Jahan was very secular in her approach. She was not such a devout, you know, Islamist. She visited the a Jain shrine where they debated with with the you know philosophers and uh, priests out there on various religious topics. She also performed customary prayers for the royalty because she did not want to risk alienating the Sunni ulema. She did not want to show them that she was secular. Yeah. Now there's a very interesting story of politics in the palace. Mm-hmm. Her brother, Asif Khan's daughter, the famous Mumtaz Mehl, was Shah Jahan's beloved consort, oh, mm-hmm. in whose memory he built the most magnificent mm-hmm. Taj Mahal, one of the wonders of the world. Now, on Jahangi's death, Shahryar, one of Shah Jahan's brothers, was aided by Noor Jahan to make bid for the power. She wanted Shahryar to become the king after Jahangir. Mm-hmm. Now, Noor Jahan had a daughter, Ladli Begum, from her first marriage. She was the wife of Prince Sharia. So that's why she wanted, so that, uh, you know, uh, that, that's what he said, blood is thicker than 
water so she wanted prince sharia to come on the throne after jahangir but her brother asif khan is supporting who shah jahan because shah jahan is married to asif khan's daughter mumtaz mahal so there is a lot of bickering rivalry politics going on in the palace noor jahan is not supporting uh shah jahan at all who was called prince khurram at that time mm-hmm. she doesn't support him coming to the throne but prince khurram had the support and backing of asif khan and so he wins the war of succession comes to the throne and sharyar is defeated and murdered by asif khan hmm. even noor jahan's days as the power behind the throne were over and she withdrew from public life and went and went to live in lahore where she built the mausoleum of jahangir and her own she also now turned her attention towards the construction of an of a tomb in agra in memory of her own father ittimadul daula who had just died before jahangir a, a stately a tomb of white marble inlaid with semi precious stones was built and you know this has ushered a classical period of mughal architecture so the so renaissance she, period yes so this is becomes the design which the rest of the architects later on in this period will ape and follow So what's love we've covered the Mughal one of the powerful ladies of the Mughal empire Noor Jahan uh now we are coming to the tribal areas of central india chhattisgarh they rose to power rani durgavati who belonged to the gond kingdom period given is 1524 to 1564 right So the Gonds lived in Gondwana which yes. included the forests of central India and Chhattisgarh. The region was rich in precious metals and forest products. And somewhere in the 15th century various Gond tribes local tribes united to form a large Gond kingdom called the Gharkatanga. Gonds became close to the Rajputs. and the son of the gond chief dalpat shah married the rajput princess durgavati of bundelkhand dalpat shah died young himself leaving behind his queen and minor son birnarayan and uh, you know durgavati uh, she took over the reins of the kingdom and the gar katanga grew very prosperous under her able leadership she was excellent shot with gun as well as with bow and arrow the mughal emperor the mighty akbar who wanted to have a control and sway over whole of india was very keen to annex this portion mainly for the rich natural resources so he sends army to invade the territory of the queen but she of course is very protective she fights bravely defending her kingdom but she was killed uh in fact, no in fact herself. yes yes yeah. she killed herself because when the defeat became certain mm. she did not want to fall in the hands of the enemy so she killed herself she had only uh, the reasons uh, some historians have said that the reason that she got defeated despite being so valor and so strong and powerful is that she had old weapons and the soldiers were not so trained and they were no match to the well equipped army of the Mughal power, mm. and then her minor son also died fighting. So the Mughals got hold of large booty of gold, silver, and elephants. And do you know what's that? The government in India, it is said, has issued a postal stamp commemorating her valor. Wow! And it is said that twenty fourth June, the day she died, is celebrated as a day of martyrdom or Balidan Divas. So wow. she has a record in history 
despite the fact she belonged to one small regional tribal area of you know gondwana so rani durgavati's valor her bravery tales are still told if you go to that area mm-hmm. the local people still you know narrate a lot of stories of valor and power of rani mm-hmm. durgavati so moving on i think we can talk about chand bibi yeah another 16th century you know roughly that period yeah yes she again was, uh, she's going to fight with the moguls let's see how she was actually the heroine of ahmednagar and had mixed blood all the muslim states in the south were indigenous and indianized the moguls this adapted, this is said by nehru you know in his book discovery right. of india Yeah, Nehru makes a reference to Chand Bibi in his Discovery of India. So the Mughals attacked Ahmednagar, but its valiant queen Chand Bibi defended it heroically. In December 1595, the Mughal forces appeared again before the walls of Ahmednagar. They tried to detonate the five mines they had laid, but the garrison warned by the Mughal traitor had defused all but one. The small portions of the walls that were damaged were repaired at once under Chand Bibi's leadership. Ah, uh, Mughals had to go back disappointed because she gave them a very bold defence. Nevertheless, forced by shortage of supplies and continuous feuds in the Deccan, Chand Bibi had to make peace with the Mughals. You see, the thing, uh, what was sad at that time, what was tragic at that time, the Mughals were too mighty. They were too powerful. right they have resources they have a law huge standing army they are well equipped so these small regional rulers who are trying to you know maintain their freedom and independence from the moguls many of them lost in that whole but at least they fought at least they showed the bravery and they made their way into history yes that's and that is what is important they made their way into history so she made peace for the moguls So she was a remarkable Muslim queen who governed wisely. Mughals again came, breached the fort, and the queen was killed. Not by the Mughals, but by the nobles. Because why are the nobles jealous? She is a lady. Lady, yeah. She belongs to the other gender. Yeah. Right. So Ahmednagar falls, and it is ceded to the Mughal Empire. Empire. Hmm. What's la? Seventeen, sixteenth uh, century. You know, uh, East India had come. Uh, East hmm. India Company was set up by the English, right, in 1600. But before that, there were other Europeans who came to India who found the sea route. Vasco da Gama, 1498, roughly, hmm. found the sea route to India. So the Portuguese, yeah, he came as a trader. But later on, Portuguese came as colon, you know, imperialists. They started to colonize areas. So Rani Abaka Chauta, the 16th century, the most dynamic. queen she gives a fight a stiff resistance to the portuguese to the power of the portuguese mm-hmm. it is said she belonged to the chauta dynasty that ruled over parts of coastal karnataka she was crowned queen because chautas followed matriarchal system and rani was trained in warfare and military strategy so the portuguese at the time were establishing their hold over the region the rani commanded her forces against them and eventually managed to crush their growing power who knew This yeah. was much before the English came in. Yes. So there was already um, uh, an attempted colonization. Absolutely. Around the area, but unfortunate for her, the Portuguese were helped by her treacherous husband. Now, what's the why is her husband uh, against her? Tell me, or uh, one simple, very logical reason, because she is a woman. 
who's holding the power she's and he rather give it away to invaders than then then to allow a female his wife the subordinate wife so called that's what men believe in that the women have a subordinate position because we believe so firmly and strongly in matriarchal system mm-hmm. no we believe in sorry in the patriarchal, patriarchal system, system where the head of the family is the eldest male yeah so women cannot be the ruler when the male you know is right, can be the rightful successor absolutely and and with this regard just because of her fearlessness and because of the stiff battle she put against Vasco da Gama and the Portuguese she is regarded by many historians as in fact the first woman freedom fighter of the country yes uh, 1675 to 1761 what's love you going to talk about tarabai you heard of chhatrapati shivaji Yeah, of course. Yes, the most powerful Maratha warrior, warrior ruler who fought bravely against Aurangzeb, especially, mm-hmm. and a lot of tales of of his heroic tales I've heard of how he maintained his kingdom, mm. getting uh, you know he avoided being defeated by uh, Aurangzeb. Clever escapes. Clever escapes from Agra, especially in fruit baskets. He escaped mm-hmm. from the prison. then he adopted guerrilla warfare techniques mm-hmm. right because of the geographical terrain of that area the ghats it is very easy to hit and hide yeah so those skills we hear is been were adopted by tarabai who happened to be the daughter in law of chhatrapati shivaji right okay the daughter in law the, the wife of the second son raja ram So we've obviously heard of a few essential significant women characters who defeated or put up a brave front in front of invasions but there are a very few characters in history who have actually saved and revived an entire empire by sheer force and will Queen Tarabai Chhatrapati Shivaji's younger daughter-in-law was one such lady So Queen Tarabai Chhatrapati Shivaji's younger daughter-in-law was instrumental in saving the maratha empire from collapse yeah rajaram her husband was the youngest son of maratha chief shivaji uh, he was unable to prevent the siege of the maratha fort by the mughal forces after 8 years of resisting so he kind of fled to satara and took shelter there the maratha commanders defended the fort very bravely but after the death of rajaram in 1700 the f- fort was kind of being lost to the mughals his wife tarabai then acted as the regent for her own son shivaji too she had acquired considerable civil and military experience and was successful in stopping the internal feuds among the marathas so she basically ended up keeping the legacy of her father-in-law intact she made use of the guerrilla warfare uh, very well known today as well as cavalry skills to win back and hold the forts she was called bhadrakali the fierce form of the goddess durga historians have also concluded that in that moment of crisis her character and strength saved the entire nation you know the historian who quotes and uh, talks about her is jadunath sarkar who has mentioned this that she stood by her strength and her character and uh, during her life she saw the rise fall and revival of the maratha power and then the final blow came to the marathas in the third battle of panipat in 1761 mm. so isn't it interesting we followed from razia 
we come down to uh, you know then we came to noor jahan chand bibi and of course meera bai one not mm. a ruler not a ruling queen but very prominent prominent who made a difference with just songs and hymns that she sang in praise of her lord krishna now the one of the another interesting phases in punjab you see uh, guru gobind singh mm-hmm. is fighting against the mughal authority he also is supporting the role of women in fight against the you know mughal authority so this person uh, or a prominent warrior we talk about in the 17th century punjab is bibi mm-hmm. dalair kaur she fought against the might of the mughal army she rallied 100 female six soldiers against them she was killed and mm-hmm. she's considered as a true martyr she said we are hunters not the hunted come forward and find out for yourself mm. she shouted at the mughal forces who had come to attack and capture anandpur mm. the khalsa fort she was given responsibility by guru gobind singh to guard and protect it De- truly representing the spirit of sikhism yes the khalsa yes well that was absolutely brilliant and with that we moved towards the late 18th century which was also uh, the time when rani aveli nachiar was this still- is the tamil region now from punjab we're moving down to south, south yeah. yeah so she was considered the first woman of the tamil or- of tamil origin to challenge the british empire and uh, watsla this time uh, earlier we talked about the fight against portuguese so now the british empire is well entrenched they came in 1600 as traders and from 1757 battle of plassey onwards mm. they formed their political power here they conquered expanded so she is fighting a true you know patriot fighting against the might of the british empire and then she was also known as the joan of arc of india yeah she's often called the joan of arc of india yeah mm. but sadly her husband was assassinated by the british She then sought refuge and protection of Hyder Ali. Yeah, the father of Tipu Sultan. Oh, I see. The ruler of Mysore. Okay. Yes. She then sought refuge and protection of Hyder Ali and successfully made allies under his wing. Rani Beli was also credited with building the first human bomb and forming an all-women's army as early as 1780. She successfully quashed the British and recaptured her kingdom and ruled it for over 10 years. Now yeah. that's a considerable feat. So it's nice phase of the medieval period, right? Starting from the 13th century, we kind of now coming down to the 18th. Though the beginning of the modern phase begins, but we kind of act, you know, aptly ended there. Now in the so this episode we've covered the Mughals, the Muslim initial rulers, the Mamluk sultans, the slave sultans, the Mughals. and some regional king powers who were fighting against the might of the moguls and then we've talked about also the fight against two colonial powers the portuguese and also the english hope you enjoyed listening to this episode you can catch all upcoming episodes on the website globalize-asian.co.uk or via your ios or android devices Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website.